Good morning. That was not me. <laughs> uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to take them and open up with me to the book of Romans. We are continuing along in our series. Um, our passage this morning is Romans chapter 8. We will be looking at verses 26 and 27. Once again, that is Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. And as you're flipping um, to our passage, I know, remember that the last time I preached, which was, oh my goodness, that was almost a year ago, I didn't even introduce myself. I apologize for that. So let me take a quick moment. My name is Daniel Nata. Um, I have been a member of Big Words Bible Church since right around 2016. Um, and also right around that time, I've been the fourth and fifth grade uh, teacher for our Sunday school. Um, I am looking at my third year anniversary this Wednesday. I've been married to Amy Nata. Um, we both do a lot of um, things for the children's ministry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're still new, newly reds. <laughs> but you're not really here for me now, are you? You're here, hopefully, to worship with one another a holy, righteous, gracious, and just God. So, thank you. So with that said, why don't we go ahead and pray, and then we will look at our passage here together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you have given us this day. You have given us a day of the week that we can meet together, that we can worship you, that we can hear your word preached, and Lord, that you, that you use your spirit to convict us and to help us become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that as I stand here, it's that you would use your spirit to empower me. Lord, it's so apparent that I, by myself, by my own strength, am so woefully inadequate to the task that I have in front of me. But Lord, with your spirit, you can and you use, can use someone like me, a wretched sinner, to preach the word with truth, with faithfulness and accuracy. And I pray, Lord, that you would use your spirit to do that here this morning. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would use your spirit to also convict all of us of this passage, Lord, to help us to pray for what we ought to, and Lord, that we may love you more and more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> Chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. <clears throat> Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as, for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
right off the bat, we can see that our very first word in verse uh, 26 here is the word likewise. This word is what we call a comparative conjunction. I apologize. It's morning. I'm throwing grammar at you already. But what this means is that the word likewise is trying to hook two similar ideas together. And what that means for us right at this moment is that we actually need to rewind the clock. We need to remember what Pastor Tim preached to us last week about. Verses 18 through 25 of this chapter details the eagerness that not only creation has, but we also have to the eventual perfection of our bodies. We call this glorification. It's another big word. What this means is that God, excuse me, will share his glory with us on the day that we are eventually perfected. No more sin. No more suffering. No more dementia. No more Alzheimer's. No more epidemics. No more coronavirus. One day, we will stand with God in heaven and we will share in his glory as we praise him for all that he has done and all that he is. This is what we look forward to. This is what we as believers look forward to. We, and as we look forward to this future reality, we also need to look to what is presently happening, which brings us back to our text this morning. In our, ver- in our first verse, verse 26, we are told of yet another task, another job description that the Holy Spirit has. In fact, this entire chapter, Romans chapter 8, could very well be considered the chapter of the Holy Spirit. Remember all the times that Pastor Tim talked about mortification, the killing or the slaying of our sin. The Spirit is strengthening us to this task. But He's not only doing that. The Holy Spirit is also giving us a desire to do good, to worship God, to praise Him. The Holy Spirit has to give us this desire because before salvation, we were dead. And I I had to thank Matt for bringing up um, Ephesians chapter 2. Those first three verses. There was no life before Christ saved us. Dead, dead in trespasses, dead in sin. Our heart was stone cold. And so the Spirit needs needed to take that heart and to give us a new one the spirit enables us to not only desire what is good he not only does he strengthen us to fight our sins but according to our text here this morning the spirit is also advocating or interceding for our needs our first point this morning a help with prayer. A very first point this morning, a help with prayer. 
Now, before we go into detail as to how the Holy Spirit is helping us with prayer, we need to take a second here because we need to realize that what the Holy Spirit is doing in these two verses is different from what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing. According to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, Christ is our high priest. And as our high priest, it is Christ who secures for us help, mercy, and grace in times of need. The Spirit is not here securing the provision of our needs, but he's making sure of the, that the proper request of needs is instead given to Christ. Or to put it another way, Christ is up here. Christ is in heaven. He is securing all of our needs as our high priest. The Spirit is here with us, or perhaps better yet, he is within us. He is sending to Christ a list of the provisions that we need. Now, I know that we don't often think about the Trinity when we pray, but we really should. Because already we see how the Trinity works. We pray. The Holy Spirit sends to Christ a list of our actual needs, our actual provisions. And Christ secures those needs, those provisions from God the Father. And then it is God the Father who gives and grants those needs and requests. Each person of the Trinity is here working together in perfect harmony, working perfectly to supply our needs. How wonderful is that? That God in his fullness is here working for us, working in us, but also working in spite of us. We see in verse 26 that when we pray, the Spirit is interceding or advocating for our actual needs. Not our supposed not our desired needs, but our actual needs. Now, why do I say that? Why do I say supposed needs as opposed to needs? Well, to put it bluntly, you don't know what you need. We are really not much different than our children. While we may no longer need toys... We don't need video games. We don't need entertainment. We still have an awful lot of needs. I need a better car. Smoother. Standard. Make me feel like I'm going fast down 220. I need a comfier job. Nine to five. Salary. Don't take work home with me. I need more stuff. We need more stuff. We need to have a life that is completely and utterly devoid of any kind of pain, any kind of suffering, any kind of discomfort whatsoever. In fact, really, we need a life where there's 
where people aren't being jerks to us anymore. That would be helpful, right? Our prayers can very well be contrary to the will of God. Now, how do I know that? First Thessalonians chapter four and chapter four, verses three and four says this: "For this is the will of God." You ready? This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. So here it is. No more guessing. No more asking God, what is your will? Here is the will of God, your sanctification. Notice what these verses don't say about the will of God. The will of God is not for you to have a healthy bank account. The will of God is not for your spouse to treat you the way that you feel you should be treated. The will of God is not to make your job more comfortable, to make life simpler, to stop other people from being mean to you. The will of God is not to make life more bearable in this world. The will of God is to reveal His glory through our obedience. The will of God is to reveal His glory through our obedience. Now, I don't know about you, but my, my own knee-jerk reaction to anything that's difficult, any sore or any form of adversity, is not to ask God to sanctify me, not to ask God to grow me in righteousness, grow me in holiness, to grow my faith and my love and my, my obedience to him. Instead, I tend to pray for God to take it away. My current job as a long-term sub in a special education classroom is difficult, to say the least. IEPs, IEP meetings, making sure that all of my kids' needs are taken care of. It is complex, it is difficult, it is stressful. And I have found myself praying numerous times, God, make this better for me. Make this easier, make this simpler, make it less difficult for me. But that's not how we should pray. That's not how I should be praying. That should not be our first reaction to difficulties. When we pray, we shouldn't be praying for God to merely take away the things that we don't like. But instead, we should be really praying for God to show us how these things are meant to grow us, to sanctify us, to make us more obedient, to grow our love and reliance upon God. How these situations can be used so that we may exemplify our Savior Jesus Christ 
how we can truly show what it means to be Christian. But the problem is, my dear brothers and sisters, is that we don't usually pray like this. We don't know what we need. However, the Spirit does. He knows. He knows our needs, and He advocates for every single one of them. He knows the deepest needs within our hearts that we are absolutely completely ignorant of. We're not even aware that we need these things. Needs that if left unfulfilled, that we would be completely left in ruin. Needs that the Holy Spirit intercedes, according to verse 26 of our passage, with groanings, with groanings too deep for words. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that the Spirit is groaning for us? And the answer is, I'm not too completely sure. The original Greek definitely 100% attributes these groanings to the Holy Spirit. It is definitely the Holy Spirit in our passage that is groaning as he is interceding for us. It's possible it could be explained that the Spirit is with us in every single circumstance of life. This is true, but I'm not sure that's what this um, particular phrase is trying to express to us. What we do know, however, is that while we are groaning for the future reality of a perfect body, of being perfect with God in heaven, the Spirit is presently groaning for our sanctification. While we're singing songs of the hope of glorification, the Spirit is now providing the need for our present mortification. He is in the trenches with us. He is alongside us as we ride through this world. He is the officer commanding us to go over the top, to get out of our comfortable defensive trenches and to charge, charge straight at the enemy. Having direct communication with Jesus Christ, he orchestrates the proper usage of support all while running ahead of us into the trench of the enemy. He strengthens us as we gradually push away sin, push away sin from its stronghold on our hearts. Every single inch of ground, hard fought. An officer who is in complete alignment with the will of the general, with the Father, Remember what verse 27 said, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we know, we know that whatever orders we receive, whatever battle we are told to fight, we will indeed be victorious. 
we will receive the support we need in order to achieve success. Whether it be an encouragement to charge, a respite to recover our strength, or perhaps a new front for deployment, we will succeed because we have a commander who is leading us into the fray and caring for our needs, ordering the necessary provisions in order to secure victory in our war against sin. If we get through this chapter of Romans and we think that we're able to do much of anything apart from the Holy Spirit, then we have absolutely and completely missed what Paul is saying here. We are such helpless creatures that the Spirit has to work oh so hard to prepare us for heaven. The Spirit not only has to strengthen us to fight for our sin, but the Spirit alone, only the Spirit can address the deepest needs of our hearts. What, What really sticks out to me in this passage is the point that Paul is making. When I handed my first draft to Pastor Tim, he remarked, saying this, that these verses reveal our glorious reliance upon the Spirit. That while we can't even articulate our own needs, the Spirit is working within us to make the reality of mortification. This is indeed a glorious reliance. So much so that now we, we have to, we absolutely have to, we need to respond to this. We need to respond to the Spirit who is working in each and every one of us here this morning. We need to respond to the work of the Spirit in supplying our needs. Our first point was a help with prayer. Our second point, a response of gratitude and alignment. Our second point this morning, a response of gratitude and alignment. There's a reason why I worded the second point the way I did. Because our response to the working of the Holy Spirit in our prayers interceding for our needs should be twofold. One, we should be grateful. One, we should be grateful. (laughs) We should be grateful that God not only doesn't listen to bad prayers, prayers that are against His will, but that the Spirit submits to Christ the the very things we really ought to be praying for. While I was preparing for this sermon, there was a scene from Bruce Almighty that just stuck in my head. And I'm not here to discuss the theological issues in the movie, but this scene, I think, kind of paints our why we should be grateful. 
in this scene, Bruce is acting as God. So he is listening to every single prayer, which is a lot, to say the least. And of course, Bruce goes, you know what? I'm done. I'm done taking all this time to listening to prayers. You know what? I'm going to grant them all. Yes, 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 yes to every single prayer. But, of course, what happens is nothing short of anarchy. Because we don't pray for things that we ought to. In fact, as we've seen, some of our prayers can actually be contrary to the will of God. which is why we ought to be grateful that God doesn't listen to every single one of our prayers. But not only that, we really ought to be grateful that God still provides what we need. And I think that's that last part that we really absolutely should be incredibly grateful for, that in spite of our weakness in not praying for the things that we need, God still supplies to us everything that we need, everything that we need to be conformed to his will. And it is this conformity that leads us to to our second portion of our response. One, we should be grateful. Two, we should work to align our prayers to the will of God. The second part here is that we should work to align our prayers to the will of God. Now, do you know what a really easy way to do this? A really easy to make sure that we, our prayers align with the will of God? Right here. Pray the scriptures. Pray the scriptures. You want some examples? The Psalms. Great way to pray pray the scriptures here. So when we sin, we can pray Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Are we in need of healing? Psalm um, Psalm 6, verses 2 through 4. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, O Lord? How long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. What about praising God? What about singing God praises of all who he is and all that he has done? Psalm 145, verses 9 through 10. Excuse me. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All, all your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. The word of, we have the word of God. And in it, it shows us what pleases God, what aligns to his will. And it also shows us how we 
can be saved from our sins. We need to remember that having the Spirit intercede for us on our behalf is a privilege for believers. Just as much as communion is also a privilege of believers. The reason why communion is a privilege is because it is a picture. This right here is a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that was made to redeem and atone us of sin, to save us from our own sins. If we are not saved from our transgressions, if we are not saved from our plight that we've read all the way back in Romans chapters 1 through 3, then we don't have access to these privileges right now. If we are not saved, then we cannot proclaim with Paul, therefore there is now no condemnation, because we are condemned. So this picture, this picture of Christ's sacrifice instead becomes a picture of the future wrath that we will receive for our outright rebellion towards God. If you are not saved, if you are not a believer in Christ, then I take this time, I plead, please, take this time right now to go before God, to ask him to save you, to ask him to extend the sacrifice of Christ to you, to cover your sins. Take this time now to repent of your sins, to hate all the wrong that you have done, and to go to Jesus Christ. And when you do, when you have trusted in God for your salvation and renounced your sin, then please, 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 please join us. Join us in remembering how the blood of Christ was poured out for us on the cross. This very precious blood that washes all of our sins away, past, present, and future. And also remember how Christ's body was here broken for us. So that not only may our bodies be reformed, but that one day we will be given brand new bodies, glorification. That we would be with Christ in heaven, praising him for all that he's done, praising him for this wonderful sacrifice that he's provided for us. In bodies that will never, ever know of pain, that will never, ever know the stain of sin, that will not break down. I am now going to ask the elders and the deacons to come down and to um, prepare to distribute the elements to us. And while we're waiting for them,
Let's take this time now to confess our sins before God, to thank him of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. And if by the time we are ready to distribute the elements, I ask you, please, if you are not a believer of Christ, do not take this. As I have said before, this picture of love, grace, mercy, and sacrifice will instead become a picture to you of judgment and wrath. At this time, let us pray silently to the Lord God Almighty. If you are ready, please come down and receive the cup and the bread.
Thank you, gentlemen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says this, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Matt and worship, would you like to lead us in one last song?